All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We have J.J. Stankiewicz, Bears insider for NBCSportsChicago.com and the co-host of the Hunter Center podcast. J.J., how's everything? It's good, Zach. How about you? Doing well. I'm doing well. I got a haircut the other day. It was the first time I've ever been, gotten a, a trim from a guy in a hazmat suit. So that was I, uh, So, I, Zach, I actually cut my hair with um, my beard trimmer, which is why I'm wearing a hat right now. <laughs> it didn't come out that well? You know, I haven't had a buzz cut since I was in fourth grade, but that's basically what I had to give myself. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, people with beards, like, if you're keeping the mask on, how do you, you can't go like that, or it's going to tear yeah. right through it. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation. I think a lot of people are becoming beauticians and becoming barbers when they never really expected to. It's very wild. amateur, yes. Yeah, it's wild. And then talk, speaking to the Bears, who are about a month removed from the draft, um, how did you think for the draft hole that, that the Bears got, how, how, would you, how did you like it? You know, for the picks they had, Zach, I thought they did okay. Um, you know, I, I think they drafted two guys in the second round who are needs in Cole Komet, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Yeah. They're going to play at the Y, that inline tight end position. And then Jalen Johnson, the corner out of Utah, he will play kind of that closer to the line of scrimmage, a little bit of press corner opposite Kyle Fuller, who's the 2018 All-Pro. Yeah he usually plays pretty far off coverage. So those two guys fit very specific needs for a team that I think the Bears view as being really close to competing in the NFC again, uh, as they did in 2018. So those two guys, their, their profiles are NFL ready. And for tight ends, that doesn't always mean 50 catches for 800 yards and seven touchdowns. It might mean for Cole Komet, 30 to 35 catches, 400 yards, and a couple touchdowns. That would be a good season for him as long as he's able to be on the field to the point where you can trust him in the run game and you can trust him in the pass game. I think, you know, talking to Chip Long, his offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, he checks all the boxes that NFL teams do want out of tight ends in terms of his size, his speed, his strength, his route running ability, his desire to be good at blocking. Uh, he, He presents as the total package at tight end. But rookie tight ends are often sometimes a crapshoot. And then Jalen Johnson, really quick on, his, on him, Zach. I love this kid's competitive level. Oh, cool. I think that will stick in the NFL immediately. His tape at Utah was really good. He always traveled with the number one wide receiver that he faced, whether that was at, you know, against USC or Oregon or whatever it was. He's got a really good profile for what the Bears need, and he's got a lot of help around him on that defense, be it Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman. So he's not going to have to come in and be a superstar immediately. I think he's going to slide in really well to one of the top defenses in the NFL. And being that you used to cover Notre Dame, was Komet on your radar? Uh, You know, a little bit. Uh, He showed up in 2017, and my last year covering them was 2016. So one of the last things I wrote about Notre Dame before I jumped over to the Bears beat was about their recruiting class that included Cole Komet. He's a guy who – he's got a lot of upside – or is viewed in NFL circles as having a lot of upside because at Notre Dame, he didn't just play football. He also played baseball. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, Chip Long told me a story of he went to practice during spring practice one day, went out, got the save against Clemson that night, came back the next morning for a lift and, and for workouts. And also, you have to remember at Notre Dame, they like to take their academics a little bit more serious than other schools. And that means that there was an academic burden on Cole Komet as well. So between football, baseball, academics, he's never been able to focus on just one thing. 
in the NFL, all he's doing is focusing on football. All he's doing is focusing on the, the playbook, his routes, his strength. That's it. And I think they, the Bears see a lot of upside in what he can be with just that laser focus on one thing. And with Trey Burton, since removed, do you think he's the de facto number one guy? Well, so it, it, the Bears use they, – they have two tight end positions, essentially. The U and the Y. The U is kind of the split out move tight end. Um, that's what Burton played. Yeah. Jimmy Graham is replacing Trey Burton at that spot in the Bears offense, where Cole Komet slides in is at the Y, which has been a really, really disappointing position for the Bears in, you know, since Matt Nagy arrived. They had Deion Sims. He was a bust of a free agent signing, career cut short due to concussions. They had Adam Shaheen, one of the worst draft picks of the Ryan Pace era, has not panned out at that Y position. And then they just had to throw a bunch of guys there, uh, you know, replacement level types who are not really what the Bears need. If you look at the Chiefs and the Eagles offenses, the two most closely related offenses yeah. to the Bears, they use 12 personnel. They were the, the, in the top five of 12 personnel usage last year. I think the Eagles are number one, the Chiefs are number five. The Bears were in the bottom 3% of 12 percentage usage. 12, per, 12 personnel usage percentage, that's kind of a mouthful. But that just shows you that the disconnect in this offense, that they have not had the players and production they need from this one spot at the Y that allows you to do a lot more as an offense, whether it's 12 personnel, whether it's more in the run game. And that has to improve in 2020 for the Bears offense to really take off the way that they want it to. So getting Cole Komet, long story short, that, that hopefully for the Bears takes care of that problem. The yeah. Trey Burton stuff, that's where Jimmy Graham comes in. Interesting. And then speaking of David Montgomery, I, I think it's fair to say that he didn't live up to the high expectations in year two. Are you expecting a big jump from him? In year one, he didn't. He really was kind of right. like, oh, people thought a lot more of him. Are you expecting a big jump in year two? Yeah, I understand if, uh, if you're a fantasy football player like my brother-in-law, who I recommend to draft David Montgomery uh, with a pretty high pick. You are not pleased with David Montgomery's uh, rookie season. But look, if you, if you go and watch the tape, if you watch David Montgomery play, He's a really damn good running back. Yeah. He just got very little help around him from the quarterback play, from the offensive line, from the tight ends, from the coaching staff. He did not – he was not set up for the kind of success that David Montgomery can have in the NFL. Yeah. So the Bears, I don't know how much they've really gone out to address the run game. That is probably my biggest concern with this offense in 2020 is that, okay, you go out and get Nick Foles. He, he might help you out in the pass yeah. game if he is your starting quarterback. But the offensive line, you know, they went out and signed some cast-offs like Jermaine Effetti and Jason Spriggs. They did not go out and draft someone with a high pick to replace, really replace Kyle Long at that right guard spot that's been a problem over the last year. So you're going to go with some guys who are on really cheap contracts and then Rashad Coward, who is a, a former defensive tackle who, who's got some good athletic upside, but is still very raw playing guard. He, he trained as a tackle his entire 2018 season when they moved him to offensive line. Last year was the first time he really played guard in a really long time. So I'm not sure the Bears have what they need on the offensive line to then develop the trust that Matt Nagy needs to run the football consistently. And this goes back to, I think, one of the biggest problems with the Bears offense is that there is not an apparent desire to run the ball a lot. There's a desire to run the ball just to say, hey, we ran it. Now we can try to set something up off of it with a pass. But there are not concepts in this offense that we saw last year 
that allow a coach to really get comfortable with running the football. It was a lot of just sort of, it almost felt random sometimes when they would run it like, Hey, okay, we ran it. Now we can go back to passing. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of design off of those runs. And I don't know how much Matt Nagy really wants to run the football. I think we're going to find that out in 2020. So he's got a good running back in David Montgomery. I think Montgomery can improve as a pass catcher to generate some more targets in that end of his game. But as a running back, this dude is tough as nails. He will get hit. If he gets hit at the the 48-yard line, he's going to get to the 42-yard line. He's that slippery, strong, agile. He's got all the things you want out of a really hard-nosed running back. He's not going to break a lot of big runs, but he's going to grind out the kind of yards that you can then use to develop a run game. And the Bears have to do that in 2020. Otherwise, David Montgomery could be the best running back in the NFL. It won't matter if he doesn't get the opportunities. And then speaking of if you don't know how much they're going to run, if they're not running, it means they're going to be passing. If they're going to be passing, you got to look towards Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option being declined. Were you surprised to hear that, or was that expected? No, no that, was, that was expected from God, probably sometime last year. I mean, during the season when it, it became apparent that Mitch was not taking that third-year step that so many people around Hallis Hall expected and hoped he would take in this offense – so, no, Mitch getting his fifth-year option decline was not surprising. It also, Zach, doesn't really change anything. Mitch was always going to go into 2020 as a huge prove-it year coming off of 2019. So if the Bears picked up that fifth-year option, it doesn't mean he's getting a contract extension. It means that they could also rescind it. This 2017 is the last class where that option can be rescinded hmm. without any penalty. It's what the Bears did with Leonard Floyd. They caught him for nothing. They got $13 million in cap savings oh. because of it. They could do that. It's guaranteed for injury only. So the reason why you decline it is because you don't want to risk Mitch losing the starting job to Nick Foles. And then say he's got to come into a game because Foles got hurt or something. You know, he needs to miss a couple plays here and there. And then Mitch suffers an injury that puts him on IR. All of a sudden, that option, that 24 ish million, is fully guaranteed for 2021 for a quarterback who you know cannot start. So there's no reason to pick up the option. But it doesn't mean that Mitch is on – if Mitch has a good year in 2020, he will be on the Bears in 2021. There's no question about that. If he goes out and he wins the starting job in training camp, whatever that may be, and keeps the job throughout 2020 and plays at a high level, he's on the Bears in 2021, whether it's via the franchise tag or a contract extension. So – the Bears are, are not without some security with Mitch if he goes out and wins the job. Mitch is without security because if he goes out and loses the job, he has no, no guarantee of employment in 2021. He'll go somewhere. It won't be with the Bears. Uh, but as for that quarterback competition, I think it's Nick Foles who's going to win it. Really? Yeah, I, I just see the, the way that Matt Nagy talks about the trust he already has in Nick Foles from their experience together. Foles worked with John DeFilippo, their quarterback's coach. He was the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville last year. Also was the quarterback's coach with the Philadelphia Eagles when Nick Foles won Super Bowl MVP. Nick Foles also has some experience with Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator they hired to replace Mark Helfrich. They worked together very briefly uh, back early on in Foles' career. So there's some comfort with the coaching staff. Trubisky knows Matt Nagy. He knows Dave Ragone, but he does not know John DeFilippo. He does not know Bill Lazor. And Nick Foles knows everyone except for Dave Ragone in that quarterback coaching tree. So that, I think, gives Foles an edge. The other thing is that 
Trubisky needs, I think, a, a massively better training camp than Foles to win the job because there's just going to be so much scar tissue built up among the Bears' talent evaluators from watching Mitch the last couple years that for him to get over that versus a guy, Nick Foles, who won the Super Bowl MVP and is a guy who was trusted by the coaching staff, I think will take a relatively monumental effort for Mitch to go out and win that job. Do you think it's going to be a training camp battle for the starting single caller, or do you think it's Mitch's job to lose? It's a, it's a training camp battle. The Bears have framed it as an open competition from the moment they traded for Nick Foles. Um, Mitch will take the first snap of training camp out of essentially because he's been here, but that means nothing else for the quarterback competition. It will be a true open competition. And this is why you go and get Nick Foles, yeah. right? In an offseason where there are no in-person practices during OTAs and minicamps, those are just not going to happen this year. You have to go out and get a quarterback who at least knows sort of the general framework of the offense, which Nick Foles does having played in it in Kansas City and Philadelphia and in Kansas City with Matt Nagy, I should add. So if you went, if the Bears went out and got a different quarterback, say Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton or Cam Newton or any of the guys who are available, outside of probably Teddy Bridgewater, who would have walked in and started no matter what. Nick Foles allows there to be a true open competition where Mitch is not here and the quarterback is here. These guys are right here. They're on even footing. And that's going to lead to a really interesting training camp because, again, Mitch is fighting for his job, but Foles is also fighting for his job. It's not one guy's job to lose or necessarily one guy's job here or there to go out and win. It's – Whoever the best quarterback is at the end of training camp is going to be the starter. It's not, well, you know, we, we put all this money in this draft capital into Mitch, so let's give him another shot. If Foles is better, he's going to start. And, and like I said, if Foles is here and Mitch is here, I still think Foles starts. If it's like this, where you can't see my hands on the screen, then Mitch starts. And then looking around the division, you see, you see what's going on in Green Bay with apparently drafting Aaron Rodgers' successor. You see Minnesota, they cut bait with Stephon Diggs, but they did bring in Justin Jefferson from LSU, Detroit, not really sure what's going on in Detroit, but um, how do you see the division shaking up? I think, I think Minnesota is actually the best team in the division. Hmm. Green Bay, and I think Green Bay and Chicago, but are, are right there. And there is not that much separating those three teams. I love what Minnesota did this off season. I know trading Stefan Diggs makes your team worse, yeah. but what they did in the draft, I thought was outstanding with the amount of picks they had, yeah. the amount of players they got um, and the amount of impact guys like Justin Jefferson, who, you know, can step in from day one and kind of play off of Adam Thielen there. That, that team is really good and they're really well coached. They're a really smart organization. I'm probably backing the Vikings to win the division the more mm. I think about it, but I think, you know, if they go 11-5, and five, the Bears and Packers are right there at 10-6. and six. Interesting. And all it takes is one thing to break right in Chicago for the Bears to leapfrog the Vikings and win that division. That's how I see it playing out. And obviously, you know, injuries can happen. There's so much going on. So, you know, who knows what it's going to look like? Uh, who knows even what the season's going to look like? But if the season plays out as we expect it to and hope it does, I think it's Minnesota at the top. Look, Green Bay dra- – excuse me, drafting Jordan Love – it's, I, I didn't have as big of a problem with it as a lot of people up in Wisconsin did because smart organizations that have good structures can go out and draft the quarterback of the future. You draft the quarterback before you need the quarterback. Yep. And the Packers, well, yeah, I, I have some quibbles with the other picks they made, like taking the running back in the second round and the, the H back in the third round 
when Aaron Rodgers needs more wide receivers, tagging Jordan Love, to me, that could set them up to potentially, if Love works out the way they hope, the Packers could have the best quarterback in the NFC North for 40 consecutive years, from wow. Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. That is the upside that you're drafting with Jordan Love. So I like that pick. doesn't help him in 2020, but 2022, it might start really helping them. And then, see, so we just flipping over to basketball. So we just finished up the last dance. Have you, have you noticed a little bit of a buzz surrounding Chicago with all with Jordan, all that stuff kind of kind of coming right coming back? Yeah, I mean, I I grew up here. I grew up on Michael Jordan. Um, you know, seeing those graphic T-shirts at the Grant Park rallies, was just like I own I owned a couple of those. Um, the buzz around Chicago for the last dance has been awesome. Um, it felt like. It felt like a real, you know, it wasn't just in Chicago, but really yeah. here in Chicago. It felt like it felt like we were watching live sports because everyone was in it. Everyone was watching it, investing in it, invested in it, talking about it. Um, it was a really neat thing to see around here. You know, I was glued to my TV every Sunday uh, for two hours, watching it, you know, remembering it. You know, it, some of the, so, you know, one of my favorite parts of The Last Dance, hilariously, was just like the jerseys. Like, oh, wow. I'm, I'm 31 years old, so what the Pistons were wearing in 1996. It's like one of my first memories of the NBA, just those like awful turquoise, like horrible graphic jerseys that I love so much. Like that was so cool to see. Yeah. The, the, those Grand Hill jerseys. Yeah. Were, they were incredible. I thought it was, I thought, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was exactly the escape people needed, especially in this difficult time, especially for two hours a week. I didn't think Scottie Pippen was depicted that well. Yeah, I thought it wasn't – I thought until the last episode yeah. where they – I mean, Scotty running up and down the court with essentially a, a, a tweaked, ruined back yeah. uh, was – you know, he, he deserved a little bit more. Now, the stuff about him quitting that game in 94 – That wasn't good. Deserved all of it. Yeah. Like, you know, but the stuff about him – I think they could have explored him a little bit more. I thought they did a good job setting him up yeah. with, uh, you know, talking about his family upbringing, what oh, yes. happened to his dad, and yep. and why he was just like, hey, I got to get the money now. Yes. But I mean, the contract he was on was a joke. Yeah, and he was so underpaid. And you know, the Bulls did the right thing in the end in the sign and trade with the Rockets yeah. to get him, uh, you know, more, I think it's twenty five more million dollars. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I didn't think that came off as fair to Scottie Pippen completely but it also wasn't his documentary no michael jordan controlled it so he can control kind of what that message is i don't think there's any bad blood between those two but uh yeah i, I thought that could have been a little little nicer to scotty yeah because it kind of started off with like all right the main villain is jerry Krause, and then they kind of start kind of throwing scotty they're like all right he's never uses robin and then they're like, well, he did some suspects that will do the migraine is a, something you can't control but sitting out that's not a good look. And then they kind of, I, I think, threw him a bone towards the end, showing how much he gave in that 98 series. Mm -hmm. But I think as a whole, it was fantastic. The, the security guard with, the, with the, the shrug was by far the best part of the entire 10 hours. Thing. Yeah, my, uh, my, good friend, my good friend Matt Fortuna wrote a really great story about that guy, John Michael Wozniak, on The Athletic, that uh, anyone watching this should go read if they haven't already. Yeah, cool. I can find the link and I'll, I can tag it in here. Yeah, definitely. That, yeah, it was, I think it was great. And I think it just showed Jordan like at his core. And I think he's been so kind of like 
not really secretive, but he hasn't really been in the public light, even though he, he you see him all the time at Hornets games. He doesn't really do interviews. You kind of saw him kind of open up a little bit at the Kobe Bryant Memorial in February. And then since then, like I think a lot of people that either grew up with Jordan or really didn't and really just kind of knew him as this folklore, they're really saying like, okay, this guy was more dominant than we've ever seen. This guy's drive was on another level. And then tying that into the void in the NBA season right now, I think that's changing a lot of the GOAT debates. Are you still hanging with Jordan? I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm, this isn't about this question. I'm just, like, so out on it, on this debate, because, like, LeBron James is a better basketball player than yeah. Michael Jordan, but, like, LeBron James is the product of today's era of the NBA, and Michael Jordan was the product of the, 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 the 80s and the 90s. Like, when Jordan was drafted – no one was taking shooting guards like him. They're all taking big guys. Yep. And Jordan changed it. Now, now you got LeBron who can do so much different stuff. Like, I don't know. I, to me, I don't really care about these, like, greatest of all time debates because Michael Jordan was really good and LeBron James was really good. Yep. And, like, eh, it's fine to me. I realize that's, like, the, the lamest possible take. <laughs> it's all but I, I just, like, I don't have enough, like, mental space to really go, in, go deep into it. And then I got one last question for you. So when everything is safe to go back to normal, all the restrictions are lifted, either there's a vaccine out or everything is sort of restored to what was normal, what's the first thing you're looking forward to doing? Having my parents come over and watch my two five-month-old infants <laughs> so my wife and I can go on a date. All right. So hopefully they're watching this so they can, they can put it on their calendar. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, they know how we feel and we know how they feel because they also want to do that. Um, and just hang out with the, their grandchildren. But uh, hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Definitely, definitely. And for people that aren't following you, how can they find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. Just type in at JJS. And don't worry about spelling the rest of my last name. Hopefully I show up. <laughs> and uh, you can listen to all of the podcasts that I do with the Understander Podcast, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and keep up with all of my Bears coverage on NBCSportsChicago.com backslash Bears. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat, and it's been awesome.